Carnivorous couch, it happens once a week It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob You should just add in Tess Hey everybody, hey everybody, we're back and uh... Well, we're back from an extendo break from last week, uh, where Jess DiBala suggested the film The Baxter. So we're doing it on uh, Carnivorous Couch Film a Week from Two Film Geeks, the spoiler-full podcast where we have me, Rob, as per usual, and also... Brady Larson. And the specialist guest... Tess! And she's here. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway... Um, you see, it's a 2005 film, yeah. which kind of sets itself out of time. It's hard to believe that it's from 2005 just because of what's going on, like, you know, inside the frame, as it were. So uh, we're going to do plot synopsis a little bit different this way. I'm going to, like, really uh, distress Brady's face. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to say the... Not the face. <laughs> I'm going to say the scene, and then uh, Brady's going to give a little... Uh, uh, thing of what happens in that scene, and I'm going to push him on if he starts to stibbity stutter too much. So we open with a wedding and a a voiceover dialogue which says... A voiceover dialogue says that our main protagonist, Elliot, is the kind of guy to always get left at the altar. He's getting married to a character played by Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, he's a Baxter. He's a Baxter. And the titular Baxter is a concept of the guy, the Bill Pullman and Sleepless in Seattle type guy who's, I mean, there are varying types of them. Sometimes they're nerdy slubs. Sometimes they're insensitive doofuses. But the bottom line is they're seen as secondary, merely as obstacles to the main protagonists getting together. They're the intended fiancé who should not be the fiancé. And then we flash back to him meeting the girl, or just oh, after well, he meets her. But, but importantly, yes, uh, and his wedding is interrupted by a hunky man played by Justin Thoreau. Uh, and so, yeah, and then we flash back, and he's telling us how this all happened. And he is an accountant, <sighs> uh, and he's... Uh, first, we see him meeting Elizabeth Banks, who is a client, uh, the yeah. daughter of a wealthy man, I believe. And, and then so we flash back to like 10 minutes earlier where he meets this temp. Played by Michelle Williams, uh, you know, who usually imbues dignity into all things and uh, does reasonably well. But this thing is just manic pixie yeah. up the butt. Yeah, and uh, they hit her off real good and they're yeah, good. They and then Elizabeth Banks walks in, so yeah. now we're no longer flashed back. She's reading the dictionary, so is he. Then after that, he says they really hit it off, and they uh, meet at her place and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then we get a montage of work good, relationship good, and then there's like a dinner at the parents' house, right? Yeah, they have a dinner at the parents' house, and uh, I don't know, I guess we kind of see that he's just like this nervous, milk toast kind of guy. I, f I forget what's said in that conversation. But it also shows that the environment that he comes from is very like waspy, bougie, where there's like the man, and they go, ha, 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 and then there's like the woman on their arm who are just like... You know, the goal to be attained, as it were. Right. Um, then we go to a bar scene, which is uh, a little bit later. Yes. And he gets pissed off at her. He gets pissed at her. Why does he get pissed at her? Uh, because he, uh, well, he hears about this guy that... Oh, yes. He hears about, what's his name? Benjamin. Where he saw that. And we Bradley. flash back to the Bradley. living room. Yeah, we flash back to the living room where he sees pictures <laughs> of Bradley. And he goes, like, it's happening again. There's going to be back here. Bradley is the Justin Thoreau character who interrupts the wedding at the beginning. Yes. And he learns that this is Elizabeth Banks' character's high school sweetheart. 
and uh, all of a sudden he's back. Uh, he's a, a geologist of some note. He works with geodes. Uh, interesting things, geodes. Yeah. And, Fantastic. And then after that, we have like the morning uh, afterwards, and he gets all upset because he's like, I, I dreamt that your your ex-boyfriend was at the bar, and I always... And, and she's like, like, he was at the bar. And he looks really upset. And, and then he goes to work. Then he goes to and work. And we get the elevator scene. Yeah, and in the elevator with uh, Cecil Mills, the Michelle Williams temp character... He relates to her his history as a Baxter, his uh, continual failings, how throughout his life, any time he has a relationship, there's always some more eligible bachelor, a more eligible candidate who swings in, and he's always just the guy in the way. Uh, but we guess, uh, I guess this is like maybe the closest we get to like character development, in my opinion. We see that it has something to do with he's got a milquetoast personality that means he doesn't take risks and doesn't actually fight for the women in his life. He just kind of is that stable obstacle yeah, just we, waiting to be swept off. Uh, and then we have the Bradley Carr scene. And then we have the Bradley Carr scene. Which I don't really know what happens to that, but it's written here. Oh, well, th- first we have the Bradley Kitchen scene. So I think he comes in, and Bradley starts kind of like... He finds the key under the doormat, and yeah, he comes in, and blah, blah, blah. And he's, and he's just like, hey! He's really pumping the, the sensitive guy thing, the, the sensitive jock kind of thing. And uh, Elizabeth Banks is really eating it up. And then... Then we go back to the broken elevator. Oh, yes. Wait. And he said all this stuff, and the elevator starts working again. And just before uh, she was about to say something, and she says, oh, I'll tell you later. Yes, okay. And then we she have him gives going... gives him an address instead of finishing her sentence. Yay, arbitrary cross-cutting. Right. And Woo-hoo. then, and then she, uh, uh, he, we cut to a scene where he's uh, talking to his friends about whether or not to go talk to the nice Cecil. Uh, because of my fucking. Oh, you should, man. She's a really nice girl. No, no, they say that she shouldn't because it's trouble, right? Oh, yeah, no, she's trouble. Yeah, yeah. But then he goes, "Why is she trouble?" But then he goes anyway. Because he's engaged. Oh, he's engaged. (laughs) Well, you know, you shouldn't. Tess is all of a sudden acting drunk. She was totally fine. I'm falling asleep. You should respect your fiance and break up with them at least if you're gonna go chasing manic. And and then we go to the uh, open mic. Yeah, we go to the open mic where. Uh, Michelle Williams is giving a very plaintive, nervous performance of a, a song she wrote. And, you know, it, as Tess pointed out, it's very, very much calls back a scene from Annie Hall. Yeah. Did I say that? You did. And they hang out yeah, and have a good does. time. And then they go to the bathroom. Yeah, they go to the bathroom and there's kind of flirtation. Like, there's nervous And then he flirtation. asked her what she was going to say then they bump heads with, with the elevator. For so, no and yeah, because she said something and then left. And what does she say? She She's said that you should have asked her to dance, referring to the girl. No, the what, what? Oh yeah, he's past girlfriend. So let me. Well, I was gonna point this at out at the high later. school prom. Actually, I'll point this out later. Go on. Okay. She'll uh, point it out at the high school prom. And then they're tired and it's late, and so they have to go to bed. But she doesn't have a ride home or something, so she's yeah, gonna crash she stays his the place. night. She borrows his pajamas. She, you know, sleeps in the foldout, and. Uh, Yes, indeed. And but then the then next next morning, there's a wedding counselor meeting with his wife. And Peter Dinklage yes. as a, a gay wedding planner. Oh, and he was great. A, a breathing some much-needed life into this, in my opinion. He uh, was the funniest person there because he can direct himself and nobody else could. And yeah. then, uh, so this He whole didn't fill out his questionnaire, Rob. He uh, didn't no. fill out the wedding questionnaire. He did not fill out the questionnaire. He forgot to because... Uh, He's an idiot. Well, no, because he's busy hanging out with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. 
It's only one page. He could have filled out the damn questionnaire. Yeah, but he didn't. And uh, he was busy trying to hide her because he didn't want his wife to think. So, yeah, well, and then we get, you know, a very, like, slapsticky uh, scene of, Over yeah, the top manic. Uh, yeah, a very manic scene of hiding the person in the bed uh, with Elizabeth Banks' character continually coming in and almost seeing Michelle Williams and then walking out. And then, wait, wait, but one more thing. And Michelle Williams hides again. But they get out of the jam, and then what happens? Well, she walks out on him, and then... Oh, they, yeah, she walks out on him for being a, a wuss bucket, not for having Michelle Williams on And him. then, so the next thing with that is uh, he's supposed to see her again at the dinner. And, yes. and, of course, he does not, because she's not there. No, no, she's no, no. First, they meet at a bar with all the friends, and all the friends... Yeah, nope, that's after the dinner. Oh, is that... That's after the dinner. That's is after it? the dinner. It's written here. It's after yeah, the and then... Oh. <laughs> then uh, they go to a bar. He goes to a bar with his friends... And yeah, the other Baxters. Uh, yeah, the other Baxters, and then stop well, trying to make Baxter happen. Baxter's wait, never so gonna just, happen. He just has a network of Baxters. Then, God damn it, stop yeah, saying all Baxter. Baxter. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> going on. So there's a bar scene and blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, and Paul Rudd. Yes, uh, Paul Rudd's there and blah blah blah, and then, uh, she's there. And uh, Bradley's girlfriend is there with like another dude or something. Or yeah, no, no, but, Bradley's there with uh, his Bradley's girlfriend. Bradley's there with his girlfriend, and Paul who happens Rudd, to be a friend, a, a college friend of Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is the guy who used to date Michelle Williams, or is dating Michelle Williams. So he's the Baxter to Michelle Williams, or to uh, to Michael Showalter, the lead, rather. Right. And then afterwards he goes out and they have a bridge scene with his fellow Baxter mate who says, uh, hey, man, like... Uh, it gets better. She wants you to fight for her or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but you got to fight. You can't be... So bland. Right. And then uh, then she goes to reconcile. He goes to reconcile with her. Can uh, I point flowers? out that, yes. um, well, I had all these things I wanted to point out at later times, but this is, seems necessary is that he doesn't just say that you have to fight for her. He says that he knows that he that she wants to reconcile. So he like par- part of the dialogue is that he already knows that he has an in. That okay. apparently they've been in communication and she wants to not have this be over. Right. Because he's, it's not he's like, married it's to not, her sister. Yeah, it's not like a, you know, uh, you should go fight for her. It's like, well, she basically wants you back, so just go try. Right, okay. So then they have the reconciliation of Bradley's place where uh, he brings uh, flowers and chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, as he's making his big oh, Bradley's pitch, there. Yeah. Bradley is there. Sorry, Colleen Swan's place. My bad. Yeah, that is the Michelle, uh, Elizabeth Banks character, uh, the one he's going to marry. And so uh, we get this scene, and I don't want to get into qualitative judgments yet, but kind of this like uh, really thinly written scene where Elizabeth Banks is basically a gigantic cypherous bitch. Well, Bradley said. Uh, yeah, Bradley's it, sad because he broke up with his girlfriend, and, you know, and he's there. Like she takes his flowers and throws them against the couch, and he's like, "Oh, I'll feed your chocolates to a homeless person." Uh, and, and then they all go to a restaurant, makes yeah. a reservation, but it's too fancy. Very, so they go very to belaboring the point that Bradley is playing the role of the usurper in this situation, and that Elizabeth Banks is totally on board with it. And so yes, and they cancel his fancy restaurant reservations because Bradley says, "Oh, there's a non-crowded there's a better place joint. to go." Yeah, we'll go to the burger joint. And so they do, and he tries to uh, kind of make a big show by ordering wine. Eh, it falls flat because they only serve beer. And so then I think we cut to a scene with Michelle Williams 
uh, where like later on. No, he he uh, he ordered. This is the, the most above, fucking no, no. And then he calls boring her. thing I have ever well, heard. Well, just let us get through the thing real quick. Well, but Don't worry about it. He makes a point of cross cutting this. For well, suspense. he calls her. Oh yeah, he, he goes he, to the bathroom right, and he calls, he calls her. her. On um, his payphone. He calls her, but then he sees her the next day. In two thousand five. Right. Well, he calls her, and then we cut to him seeing her the next day, and then she goes mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and he goes, "It got better." Yeah, it got better because I was pushed so much. He did go. By, he did go out dancing. Yeah. No, well, yeah. Yes. And uh, the bigger thing is he like finally gets pushed so far that he has an angry rant, which is close to what the Banks character wanted, which is for him to show a little gusto. Uh, and to fight for her, so he gets angry, and then all of a sudden, Bradley and he gets kicked in the face when they're dancing. Yes, then they go dancing, and he gets kicked in the face uh, by Bradley. Bradley leaves. Break dancing moves. Yes, and, and then the Bradley wedding goes on, and says, "I'm going, I'm going to Malta to for a dig." Yes, and then, um, then, then there's the wedding now. Yeah, and then we go to the wedding, and then of course, as before, Bradley shows up. Breaks it up and swoops Elizabeth Banks off her feet, and they run off. But that's okay because he knows where he really has to go. He has to chase Cecil, Cecil down, and so he makes his big romantic pitch to her. He brings her. Uh, we didn't mention this. He brings her a flower, which was in the G section of the dictionary that she was reading. I think a Grimlock or a, a Grimlock, something like that. Yeah, because they were reading the dictionary. Yeah, they were the reading met. the dictionary. Like, like cute little hipsters. When we did a dry run of this, he did mention that. But uh, this time he didn't. So here we go. Uh, and then uh, he goes, and then there's another guy who comes and goes like, hey, wait, I remember you from, and then he kicks him. And then he, he goes He kicks away. at him like he's a stray goose. Exactly. It's really funny. Yeah, that, It's no, the that's... only thing in the movie that's funny. <laughs> like, yeah, he... And that's the end of the movie, right? And that's the end. But then after the credits, we get like a little like Paul Rudd's character standing there like, oh, man, like. That guy, like, I'm I'm always the Baxter. It's kind of saying that, like, everyone is the Baxter in some situation because certain people are not right for certain people. Uh, yeah, and that's it. God, how did you not pass out telling this story? Hey, it was so hey, boring. Hey, how do we like it? Uh, now boring. You can go on test. Now, now you can go on to what you were. Hey, it was boring. Um, this was This was a really, really boring movie. And listening to you guys recount it from yesterday was just... I fell asleep for a second. I really did. You saw me. I fell asleep. Um, God. Uh, Which isn't to say... Like, you know, we watched The Page Master, and that that was terrible. This was not terrible. I laughed occasionally. It was watchable. Um, I would say that it was, you know, a C... A, a C, maybe a C minus, but that's if I'm being really you harsh. Give the page master a C minus. No, I gave that a D. I gave it a C minus. I gave it a D plus. Yeah, I gave it a D minus, maybe even. But uh, no, my point is, this was boring and stupid, and you know, didn't know what it was trying to be or say, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't think it. I didn't laugh enough for it being a comedy. Like there were a few parts where I laughed, and there were parts where I laughed where I didn't know if I was supposed to be laughing. Like I couldn't tell what the situation was, where I was, whether or not I was supposed to laugh or not. Um, yeah. Moving on. See, uh, Brady, how did you like it? Well, okay, I'll do my actual review, but first let me do my like superficial Gene Shalit review because we need to court. We want to court the Gene Shalit fans, too, so I'll just say... Great. The Baxter, like its protagonist, 
gets left at the altar. Uh, but wow. here's what I will say. Okay, uh, bottom line, I didn't like it much. Uh, I didn't hate it, and it has enough of certain like indie aesthetics that I wanted to reach out to it. Uh, mm-hmm. But the big problem is, and I'll, I'll get into this now, is I think in spite of having certain aesthetics that exist in movies I like, I think it's kind of hollow underneath them. Uh, so here's what I'll say. And I don't normally like to compare movies with other movies uh, in order to form my thoughts about them, but I'll, I'll have to make a Judd Apatow comparison just because yeah. this movie has certain similarities. You know, certainly a similarity with The 40-Year-Old Virgin where you have a schlubbish character, a nice, a well-meaning but schlubbish character learning to kind of assert himself and kind of reckoning with his his uh, position in the universe as as a schlub, but learning to kind of embrace that. And so what I like about the Apatow movies is that they do marry that indie aesthetic of kind of like the Linklater and the style that emerged with indie in the 90s, but they merge that with the high energy of the studio comedies in the right doses, I find. And this is like an alternate universe version of that because mm-hmm. it... What it does is it takes the insufferable manicness and thinness of character of a big studio comedy and it takes kind of the fumbling lethargy of the very worst Sundance dramedies. And so it's kind of like a version of merging big studio and indie that apart, you know, different from the Apatow version takes the worst of both, I find. So I I found it both lethargic in its aspirations toward indiedom and kind of had the worst influ- instincts, rather, of like the American Pie series, where it's just the cheap pratfalls. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just found it very thin character-wise. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to give it a, a C plus. I'll give it a C plus. Okay, now that you guys have said that, I think the movie has something to say back to you. And the fact of the matter is, I'm trying very hard, but I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, and I don't expect you to be either. So all I ask is that you, that you just give me a break. Just give me a break. Just give the movie a break, guys. Jesus Christ. It was trying so hard, okay? It wasn't trying that hard. No, it was trying really hard. It it wasn't trying that hard. Hey, what this movie was... This movie was contrived in two different ways. And maybe it didn't do this very well, but it was contrived in two very interesting ways. One was, A, it's trying to be the anti-romantic comedy. It's trying to set up... This is what a romantic comedy is, and I'm going to be the other guy, the guy gets, that gets left behind who's just the smarmy asshole in the background. I'm going to show you what my life is like, where I come from, and what I've done time and time again. Because always a rom- romantic comedy always has this guy who has the crisis and then goes and wins the girl away from uh, Mr. Smarmy Rich Guy over here. All right, no, so this is talking for the Smarmy Rich Guys. And the other cool thing about the way this plotline is put together is it's put together exactly like someone sitting talking to a therapist. This is constructed exactly like somebody going like, okay, well, so I got dumped at the altar. Okay, wait, let me go back. I met the girl at this point. Oh, wait, hold on, let me go back. I met... The girl that I would eventually end up with at this point. Then the girl I got dumped by walked in. Okay, and then that went that went well. It, went, it was going very well. But, I mean, this has happened to me many times. Let me go back. Okay, this happened in high school. This happened in college. This happened in business school. Anyway, back to what I was talking about. Uh, this woman and this thing, and so forth and so on. And then we were going to reconcile, and everything was going to be great. But 
back to the altar, and then I ended up Ow. with this lady. Jesus Christ. And, you know, as it goes on, basically, um, they end up uh, getting to the point where as he goes, he grows. And the nice thing I liked about this movie was halfway, like, uh, it starts off and it's like, okay, there's the Baxter, it's the Baxter, it's the Baxter, okay. The ending of the movie is going to be, look. You're not the Baxter because you're the Baxter. You're the Baxter because you create the Baxter and make yourself into that. But this movie got to that halfway through and said, I think you were supposed to ask her to dance. I think you were supposed to kiss her. I think you were supposed to do this, which is what you expect to be the point. But in this case, that wasn't the point. The point was that it wasn't about not recreating it. It was about actually standing up and being like, like, you know, I mean, it part, partially is about not recreating it. That's halfway. But the other way is, no, when the other guy comes in, when fucking, what's his name, Dylan? Who cares? Bradley. Bradley. Uh, <laughs> when Bradley comes in, uh, there should have been no way that he let her, let him hug her and kiss her on the neck like that. You didn't notice that? When he, like, does the well, thing? Yeah, no. I mean, like, he hugs her and kisses her on the spineless. neck. Yeah, but, I mean, but that's the whole thing. By the end of it, he's kicking the guy. Right. Kicking at him like a goose. Well, like you would yeah. kick at a goose. And, and for this kind of character, that's really the most like gumption that they can muster. Which so to me that's fine and that, that was, was apt and joke. that made sense. But the whole thing is is that like when the guy comes in, you go, No, this isn't appropriate. You're you can't have your ex boyfriend here. He needs to interact with me, like as a person, not just be interacting with you and letting me be the ancillary thing. And that mo- this movie did a very good job of showing that whole transition. And it's basically like somebody who's going through therapy for having this and then, like, you know, resolving that by the end. Um, this movie had set pieces and scenes that were utterly contrived and did not convey their points very well and then just got confusing and weird. Um, but what it was trying to do and what it didn't necessarily succeed at, but I can notice that it was trying to do, is it was trying to create a construct of look, this is my life. This is where I come from. These are the kind of guys that I hung out with, and these are the kind of things that I was dealing with. And, like, we're all, like, spineless little wimpy maggots, and we want to see one person win. And we want to believe that guys like us can win because we all come from this stupid, bougie upbringing where there's no sex until marriage. There's no sort of, like, uh, anything good except for getting a good career. There's no anything really to do with this and this is the untold story of the person who's not the geology geode like fucking I'm a unique guy oh I'm a musician or whatever and it didn't do a very good job of that but it tried it tried to craft the universe from which it was coming and then create this alternate reality which was kind of anachronistic and weird and it was very jarring but the thing is is it was trying to create an alternate reality it didn't necessarily succeed and I think there was another movie Brady, we we had this conversation about another movie we did earlier, which was um, the movie was trying to create its own cinematic language, and it, it didn't do a good job. And was it was like, Juno? It was Juno. No, it was, it was Juno. Like one of our first four or five. Oh, uh, wait. Are you talking about uh, the one with the party? Yeah, that might have been. No. I mean, uh, this movie. No, 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 no. It, it, it wasn't Project X. Um no, uh, trying to create a... It was, um, it was fucking uh, the Palma one. Uh, oh. Blowout. Okay. We, that one yeah. where people get off on car crashes? No. Nah, that's Crash, I think. That's Crash. Oh. Um, no, it was like Blowout. It tried to create its own cinematic language in, in the course of a film, and it didn't do it well because they're not that good of filmmakers. Whoever made this, not that good to do it. But, Whoa, but I don't beseech them trying. 
But never does this movie try to create its own cinematic language, ever. It's not, not that No, it's smart. not trying to create its own cinematic language. It's trying to create its own universe of... This is no. the anti-romantic comedy. It's very much trying to do that. It's exactly what it's trying it's to do. It's working very same, hard. It's living in the same universe as... It's trying to live in the same universe as a romantic no, comedy. It's trying failing. To, it, no, it's trying to be like, here's the untold story behind the other guy in all the romantic right. comedies. I think you're reading too much right. into this. That's all. It's, it's not creating right. and it's some trying, like, new holy text. It's taking the tropes of a romantic comedy and failing at showing them. you them. No, and that's, no, it's that's, trying to do them in a different way, which creates the anti-romantic comedy, the story of the person who always gets left behind, who, you, who the hero wins over. I have no, some right, stuff to it. say, and I don't want to st- spoil. Like this is <laughs> Hold obviously on. we're just doing. How do I like it? I'm explaining why I like it. Now, do I think it's a good movie? No, I'm giving it a B minus. But <laughs> wow, that's a good grade. That'd be my eighty percent for you, eighty like, percent because th- you like don't give those. I out. think it's a little bit better than Road Hard, which I will get to because I think I'm going to do a critics' corner on Road Hard. Okay. Um, but however, uh, well, actually, I don't know if it's better than Road Hard. Road Hard's like a seventy-nine point six. This is like a seventy-nine point five. Well, that's a C plus. Okay, C plus. So, oh yeah, okay, yeah, C plus. We C don't plinus. get enough of those. That's okay. Good. C plus, B minus, C plus. Um, so anyway, no, I think this was very ambitious, trying very hard, and uh, it, it failed. But I think it's interesting. I like the, the therapist plotline storyline, and I like the idea of the rushing, uh, like, hold on, let me tell you the. Oh, wait, I gotta go back. It's like somebody trying to explain this series of events that happens to somebody, and then they go, wait, wait, wait who's that? And he has to go back and explain. I like that. That was cool. And the thing is, is, like, each, like, the... The, the parts of this movie that makes up the sum of the movie are not much. But what does come out is more than the sum of those parts. And it might not be super good, but it's better than any individual scene, which if you just pick any individual scene, they're all kind of horrible. But if you add them all together, it's more than just the sum of all these scenes. So anyway, I'm giving this a uh, C plant. And... Uh, Okay, okay. What's the next thing? Because I got some stuff to say. What's it all about? Uh, I think oh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'd be glad to jump into it with what's it uh, all about. Are we going to do what's it all about or understudy? Uh, Let's please do what's it all about. Okay. What's okay. it all about? Wow. What's it all about? There shouldn't be any suspense on this. But Tess, Tess you, you have go first. To say, all right. Um, well, I would like to respond first of all to your idea that he's talking to a therapist. He is not. He is very not necessarily sh- a therapist, but it could be telling a story to somebody else in the same way that you tell a therapist. Rob, you know, like you're looking. He's for not a talking to a therapist. He's talking to a manic pixie dream girl. And please, nobody he's interrupt talking me. Talking to while an audience. I'm, please, nobody interrupt me while I'm talking. Wait, this is beyond he's, the manic pixie dream girl because he talks about the manic pixie. I told dream you not girl to interrupt me. I interrupt. This is my job on this podcast. Rob is to interrupt everybody. He's talking to Cecil Mills. But he talks in, about Cecil Mills. He's talking. To Cecil in the elevator. In the elevator, but before that. And that is the setup you have for everything that he's well, talking wait, about. Wait, who's he telling the whole wedding thing to? Cecil! No, he's not telling the whole wedding thing to Cecil. Yes, he is. Brady? Uh, no, I, I'm with Rob on this, but I don't think it's a good thing. It's completely convoluted. He's not talking to anyone. He's talking in the voiceover trope of a romantic comedy. But, That's it. But when he he's starts talking, the story, when he yeah, starts he's recounting the story, he's the talking, same way you tell it to a friend. When he starts talking he's about talking his past, Cecil's a character in the story, so he, he's not telling Cecil. When he starts he's talking, talking to about, the audience, when he exactly. starts talking about his past, he's talking to Cecil. So but I, that's like that's a pocket within the pocket because that's just the elevator. Yeah, it's thing. a Russian nesting doll kind of thing. 
everything's okay, in flashback. Weird. Yeah. All right. Anyway, it's a Russian but, crap doll. but in in some <laughs> ways, like yeah, maybe he. He didn't do anything. Um, Sorry, bad button burn baby. Okay, bad button. Okay, Maddie, are we Maddie, good? Rant, We're rant. good. All right. So, um, uh, yeah. Uh, so, like, let's say for for the sake of the what we saw in the movie that some of it he's saying to nobody and some of it he's saying to his manic pixie dream girl. Um, he's certainly talking about his past with his manic pixie dream girl. So it's not like he's talking to a therapist. It's like he's talking to a woman that he met. Oh, he's talking outside the manic pixie dream girl. She's part of the story that he's telling. Right. But he also, like, some of that is what he's saying to her in the elevator. Oh, I like that. That's definitely what's happening. And um, I want to point out also that one of the things that, that he says to, I think, his friend when he's trying to say, like, maybe I should go meet her because she stops him in the elevator and gives him a note instead of finishing her sentence and says, come meet me at this address, like so many manic pixie dream girls might. And he goes to his friend and says, should I go meet her? I think she could fix me. I think I think that she could fix my problems. And then he goes to her and she says, I think you need to take more risks. risks. And that's like the correct thing to say. And eventually she fixes his problems because she's a manic pixie dream girl. And I know Brady was saying, I hate to compare this to other things, but one of the things that came to mind here is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, where she subverts that by specifically looking the guy in the eye and going, I am not going to fix your problems. I know how you see me. And that's not what I am. And she absolutely is that. He says it and she does it. Here's a question. If you explicitly state it, and make it overly uh, the point? Lampshade it. Uh, then does that uh, also subvert it in a way? No, that's not a subversion. I would argue that you, you are, if you're calling attention to it. But she didn't say, I'm a manic pixie dream girl. No, but he, he did said exa- say, I think she he can dis- fix me. He described a manic pixie gr- dream girl, and then she was a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, that's the weird thing. In a movie, like, sorry to cut you off, this is just a quick no, thing. No, it's fine. In a movie he did it that's, first. like, obviously subverting the idea of the Baxter... And that's definitely happening. I didn't find any subversion in the treatment of the manic pixie dream girl. I thought she was just... I don't think she knew she was there. I don't think it's subverting the idea of the Baxter. Of course it is. No, I think the movie movie is saying that this happens. The the reason we're being told this story is because it happened again. I can't believe how much we're disagreeing with this. It definitely subverts the Baxter, but I'll get to that in my What's It All About. But I'll just say that, like, this movie, like, makes a play at subverting certain things. But in other ways, like, has all the stale formula of a romantic comedy yes. in a non-subversive way. And I didn't find her, uh, as a manic pixie dream girl, to be subversive. No, all. no, no. And that's the thing is, like, I want to talk a little bit about what she was as a manic pixie dream girl. Um, because she she kind of appears as one. And it took me a moment to realize that that was what she was. Because what I went in expecting was a dark comedy about this guy who just is kind of left in the doldrums and sort of, you know, forgotten about. And maybe, maybe in the last second, meet someone that maybe you think he might have something with. But instead, you, you get thrown this, this woman very early on that is his manic pixie dream girl and is going to fix him and is going to be good. Don't interrupt me. And, Are you um, done? I'm not done. (laughs) 
And, you know, she's kind of the worst manic pixie dream girl that you've ever seen, actually, because, you know, he's boring and she's boring with him, but she still has all these little things that she does. Like she keeps a lamp in her purse and they both read the dictionary and she sings terribly at a at an open mic, just like Diane Keaton's character does. And she's arguably like the first person that ever embodied this trope. Um and then, oh, what else does she do? Oh, she wants to wear the pajamas that look like scotch tape. How fucking boring is that? And then, like, the the uh, wedding planner shows up and she jumps on his bed like it's Christmas morning. Like, she's so fucking cute and twee. But she's really the most boring manic pixie dream girl that I could possibly think of. She doesn't pull, she doesn't grab him by the hand and pull him out into traffic. She doesn't make him dance in the rain. She doesn't do anything cool. She's the worst manic pixie dream girl that I've literally ever seen. And she's still exactly that. She's, she's precisely what everyone criticizes in a manic pixie dream girl without being cool. I don't know what else to say. Okay, can you go through your points one by one so I can uh, work on them? Because I forgot what I was going to say when you had the first point. Because that wasn't much of a discussion. It was just you going off and not letting me Well, uh, this is interject. what it's all about. We're all getting that out. The well, you shouldn't interrupt people when they're on a rant. But this is exactly my position as this podcast. This is how hey, I'm not going to let you interrupt me so you can rant. This, well, I, I mean, I can just turn down your mic. It's not hard. Don't turn my mic off! Did you turn my mic What's off? that, Tess? Did you turn my mic uh, off? No, I can't hear you. Nobody else can hear you either. Are you serious? No, you. Yeah, I can turn your mic. You yeah, mic yeah, it's not a problem. It's uh, just right over there on the mixer board. All right, let's let's crank <laughs> the levels back up. Can I? Can I? Is it my turn? Do I? Do I get to? Yeah, to speak? Yeah. To speak? Turn. turn Brady's mic on and not mine. Oh wait, wait, okay. wait, wait. Um. <laughs> so, this is a, an interesting case because what's it all about? Is exceedingly. Uh, th- thanks for turning the mic off there when I asked you to, uh, uh, Steve. <laughs> All right, so... Engineer Steve, it's not me. I mean, I told him to, but... There is no Steve! I am going or to... Uh, I'm going to make, like, Congress and uh, attach a writer, you might call it, to my What's It All About, because this What's It All About is so, like, unbelievably facile, simple, that I, I feel like I can put some other material into it. So What's It All About? It's about its fucking tagline. What's It All About? The, the entire concept is... There's such a thing as a Baxter, the guy who's the schlubbish person who stands in the way of the true couple getting together. It's a movie about that person. And That's in the end, the it's a movie line. about and in the end, it's a movie about learning that there's a little bit of bullshit in that and that everyone should just, you know, exercise a little backbone and become their own romantic lead. What, why did you turn mine off? I didn't turn your anything off. You didn't off. turn anybody's thing I'm off. I'm just pointing at uh, tag. You said tagline, and, and I mean I said the tagline right before we started. Uh, what? What's the tagline? Rob should not have this much power. This is literally <laughs> the the least amount of power I've seen go to anyone's head. <laughs> it's steep. No, no. Listen, the movie, like what it's about, like pretending like it's about anything other than its simple premise, which is clever enough, which is that the Baxter exists. And this is a movie about the Baxter learning his place and learning to become his own kind of romantic lead through self-assertion. That's all good. Like, that's fine. I think a good movie could be made about that. And so that's what it's all about. And the movie's problem is that it's terrible about being about that because once it gets past that clever conceit, it doesn't invest any actual spontaneity or character detail or even good performances, frankly. Uh, 
you know, funny. We we just beat the test, beat the shit out of Michelle Williams. I, I will say she's one of the less egregious performers, but it's just it's not well written. And yeah, it, like to go back to Apatow, this movie could use just like sloppy little scribbles in the margins. That would make it feel alive, and then it would have its conceit while actually having an interesting movie with characters to go along with it. And okay, so, so this, oh. so that's what it's about. And it's it's the problem is it's really doesn't have anything else going on beyond what I could figure out just from reading the plot synopsis. Okay, so uh, what you said is that it, it it's all about its tagline. Now the tagline is a romantic comedy for anyone who's been dumped, which is a horrible tagline. I don't but mean that. Is tagline. that okay? No, no. I mean you know think about the pitch for this. It's it's about its pitch. The pitch, the Baxter. It's about well, what the well, actual title. Well, somebody means. went to therapy. And then they wrote down their therapy sessions, and then they made it into a screenplay. Because eventually, it gets dumped by Cecil too for her. The, for her the therapy thing, I'm not. Nobody feeling did it, man. that. Yeah, it's, this doesn't have. No, that's enough. exactly that's exactly what happened. That's how this thing was written. This was not for that sure. well thought There's out. Nothing Th- nearly realistic enough. This is this is this is not therapy. This is some hack screenwriter going. I'm going to have a voice over here. Like it that's reminds some hack me of screenwriter fucking, like, who's going to you, therapy and then writing well, down his therapy sessions. Maybe, but I don't. I don't know. Like all I know is that this is just some hackneyed like voiceover bullshit. And you don't have to go to therapy to write that kind of crap. You could go to a like half-ass screenwriter class and yeah. still write well, that okay, same here's shit. Here's the thing. What I think it's all about. It's all about somebody retelling the story of how he won. After he's lost what he won, that's what I think it's all about. Because this happened again, basically. Yeah, with a manic, with a side manic pixie dream girl no, 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 story. No, no, no. She she left him for for her ex too. No, she didn't. No, that's what I'm saying happened. After the movie. Why are you saying that? Because that's that's what I think this thing is trying to tell. No, it's that's basically really telling not. the story of how wow. he won, Holy and then crap. afterwards he 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 loses. Uh, you know. You're not allowed to go that far to fix a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's not what happened. Well, now, well, now, Rob, okay, wait, wait. Rob, who is he Rob, telling Rob. this story to? If who is he telling? He's telling us, the audience. Yeah, I know, but I mean, why would he be telling this story if it didn't happen? That's again? a good question because it's a shitty, badly written movie. And here's the thing: if it had been darker, if it had been shown to us that he doesn't get anybody in the end because he's an unlikable, boring schlub like everybody else in this fucking movie then maybe that would have worked maybe if i had seen him utterly fucking fail just like the guy in sleepless in seattle probably did because i don't think they show him having like anybody show up out of the blue and love him for no reason i mean sleepless they get together but with the caveat that relationships are uh there's, I mean, like, if it had been darker, if this had been, like, a comedy that was just, like, so ridden with despair that I believed every second of it, I would have liked it. Like, I would have liked this as a black comedy, hey, look, but I'm it wasn't not, that. I'm not saying that it was well done. What I'm saying is it wasn't well done, but I liked the concept. And the concept is this rushing nesting doll of telling a story back over and over again as you repeat it. And the fact is... During the time when you were repeating it, you were telling it again. And during that time, you were telling it to somebody. And during that time, you were telling it to somebody. That's a structural concept that's not in this movie. This is not in that movie. It totally is. It's totally him telling us about him telling her about her. Yeah, but he doesn't tell us about the Michelle Williams part. It just happens. 
Right. He only tells us We're, about. It's so him what? telling us about the Michelle Williams. Yeah, and, and tell no, me. It's actually, 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 him telling actually, us guys, about actually, guys. Actually, guys. No, he's hey, us about the Elizabeth Banks part and hey, the Michelle Williams can part. Can I? He doesn't tell us. Can about I ask that. you? Yes, he did. He told. Hold up. He says at the wedding, when? and then afterwards, I went and got the Michelle Williams. <laughs> okay. At the end. So where's the? Where are you reading in that that relationship failed? Because the movie makes it look like, oh, I learned my my simple lesson. I need to be less of a stick in because the mud. Because why would he be telling this story to the audience if it didn't happen Because again? that was his valuable life lesson. I used to think I was a Baxter, and the, here's how it fixed itself. I realized that I need to grow a little Wouldn't bit Wouldn't be telling gumption. the story if it worked out. The other thing didn't work out. He's telling it. He's he was telling, telling that story, too. It, going I, back to the tagline, he's telling it because for anyone who's been dumped and you're all self-pitying, here's what you need to learn. You just need to stand up for yourself. That's why he's telling it because, I mean, the movie's heart no. is in the right place. No. Can I? Okay, for anyone who's ever been done, how are you here's misreading a story about this how movie? I continually fuck up. I just want to know where he mentions Michelle. Wait, Michelle Williams? He What's doesn't. Williams he doesn't. That's, that's totally my conjecture. I want to know where because he mentions because of the fact that the story is being told in his over his voiceover. Huh? I believe he does because this grips really clunky. No, the whole plot of the movie is his voiceover. Right. Like, this is this is all him telling a story to us. I the get audience. that. Right. Okay. So Where Michelle Williams he... is in that. So therefore, he's that's. But when does he mention her? Uh, so I you mean, think he mentions her insofar as she's a temp that works for him? But Rob is trying to read in that the entire the I, Rob. Uh, correct me if oh, I'm wrong. Oh yeah, that's right. You seem to be saying that the narrative he's narrating, even though it bears striking resemblance to the Elizabeth Banks story that we're watching contemporaneously with it is actually the story of his life repeating over and over, which yes. is a dark, interesting Twilight Zone kind of thing that's nowhere in this script. <laughs> no, it's my conjecture of what happens after the final scene. Of You're that. ridiculous. That's not what happened. It's totally what happens afterwards. No. no. <laughs> Look totally at is. you. You're, totally you're laughing. Totally. You're, you're laughing. trying too hard totally to fix is. this. You put the defibrillator down. I'm not down. trying to fix it. I think it's poorly <laughs> done. I think the concept is brilliant and that it's a great okay, concept. Right. It's an idea that's okay. But how the come one everything else he tells to everybody else is, an, is a reiteration of that? And how come this is then not a reiteration of those? Because it's a bad script. No, the writing of the individual scenes is bad. But what puts together and comes out of the whole thing, that's a good concept. You just did it wrong. Sure. Yeah, think, well, the idea of looking at a, at a romantic comedy from the point of view of the jilted ex, yeah, that's clever. But it doesn't explore that. It explores a manic pixie dream girl story and some other kind of manic bullshit with like no, a really... but it totally just calls attention really, to manic pixie dream girl. Really, he literally comes out and says... I think she can fix me. It's totally said, calling yeah. attention to that. Thanks for Thus, bringing okay. up the point that I said like five minutes ago. And what I'm saying ago. is that actually destructs the whole thing that the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is just I forgot what I was going to say. But Thanks. it doesn't critique it. Like, that's, that's what happens in actual Manic Pixie Dream Girl stories is this character says that she can fix me. No, he doesn't say she can fix him. Oh, you're, she oh, you're just saying, fixes him. You're saying... He doesn't okay. come out and say it. Yeah, I just don't... I don't read any critique here. The... The only thing critiqued is the idea of the Baxter. And that's where the movie is at least noble, I guess. I don't think the movie critiques the idea of the Baxter. It does, because it says, like... Because in the end... It has the, her do it halfway through, and then he goes on to reiterate. You know, the movie critiques the Baxter by saying, including with that ending, like, post credits scene with Paul Rudd, that, like, everyone sees themselves as 
the Baxter from time to time. But really, it's BS. People just need to actually fight for their relationships and realize that not every person is right for every person. I think There's, what it's saying is don't blame your position in life. That just is how it is with everybody, and it's just the way you're looking at it. I mean, yeah, no, exactly. And insofar as it does, that is critiquing the idea that someone is doomed to play this role. We play different roles with different people. Exactly. And then he goes outside and he repeats the role despite the fact that he kicked her ex-boyfriend. Still happens. Still fucks up. And it's still a temporary relationship because all relationships are temporary. (laughs) I wish this movie had the black heart you want it to have, but it's the problem is it's... uh, it, it would get there. It would get there if it was done well. The thing and, is, is that it wasn't. And it was a good idea. And it's just like this kind of idea that this person has, but they don't even know that they have the idea and they're making the thing and they think they can do it and they just can't. But I don't think that's their idea. I don't think that black... I totally do. That black chaser you have in mind, the film doesn't have that in mind at all. Oh, I totally... I mean... In totally its, do. I mean, this film is cheery. It's It's... Even the, the negative. It is not cheery. Even the negative. It is, it is idea the most bleak existence and upbringing that you could possibly see in a movie. Then why does he get a manic pixie dream girl all to himself? He doesn't. He loses her. He You're just making like he that lost up. Everybody that's, else. that's not in the script. You are it's not absolutely in the making that but up. But then why is he telling us this story if it just works out? Because it just because that happens all the time. No, he only tells the story that doesn't work out. He never Rob... tells the story that does. What's he talking about? I don't know. He's he's trying to read like. He's reading the tea This is just how I interpreted structure. what was going on based on this structure. He's he's taking the crappy voiceover and like a tarot card. He's saying that because uh, Okay, let's do <laughs> understood any break. And I really don't remember what I was going to say. We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we got two arm studies. You interrupted me hard. Probably more famous anyways. Right past the act, right past the movies. We just said C-A-R-N-Y-C-A-L. This game called Understudy is happening right now. What are you giggling about? Be quiet. You're starting to annoy me. Ah, well, poo-poo. Ladies, nice. You know what I did the other day? What? I googled murder. You googled murder? Yes. Why? I mean, what did it say? Uh, It didn't say anything. It just showed pictures of people lying dead on the floor and blood everywhere and... uh. That was just ketchup. Who wants to hear some music? I want to hear Rent. I want to hear Green Day. No, we're listening to Rent. Well, I want to listen to Green Day. Well, I've got your baby... Don't taunt her. Come on. Here. Uh. Sadie. Ow! Why did you just do that? <laughs> Don't throw things at your sister. She hit me! Did you hit her? I did not. Make her happy. It's okay. It won't make her happy. She spilled all the marbles on the floor. Well, give her her marbles back. 
Everybody, everybody, we're back uh, with everybody yelling at me. Um, ah! Yeah, pretty much like that. Now you go, Tess. I don't feel like it. That's nice. I like how that understudy intro is going to have you and me talking over and arguing about whether or not I cut you out. Um, anyway, uh, sorry, you guys had things to say. Oh well, let's get let's get into the movie proper. Well, uh, proper. Okay, what I'm saying is, uh, there were definite, like this this screenplay, the way it was written, the way it was put together, with a Russian nesting doll kind of plot and the flashbacks and blah blah blah, was done purposefully on purpose. It was done that way on purpose. It, it showed his upbringing and like kind of the waspiness that he was brought uh, to on purpose to show his environment. It uh, it's also. Um, um, it showed them not having sex before marriage and being very clear about that on purpose. I mean, all this is, is meant to characterize where he comes from, what, what he's at, and uh, the fact that it's a Russian nesting doll plot is the fact that it's constantly something he's reiterating over and over again to himself and to others. Wait, does it ever say I, that they won't have sex before marriage? I don't think it said that. But it's very clear. It's no. very well, clear it, from, the, from what's going on and what's shown in the frame that it's, See, it's, I, it's a, a white class upbringing where you don't have sex before marriage mm-mm. and... Oh, to, to me yes, it's, it's there. Oh, to to me, watch it, it again. It, it, it's there. You're reading idiosyncrasy into what is just formula, in my opinion. It's hitting the what stock What I'm saying beats. is it wasn't well done, but it, it that was there on purpose, and it was no, there for a point. It's hitting the stock beats of the nerdy white guy persona. The nerdy white guy goes to bed, kisses his wife on the cheek, and they both lie apart from each other. Good night. He tells that corny jokes. means no sex before it marriage. No, it doesn't no, it mean doesn't. that. Totally no, it totally does. It means their sex is boring. It means they're sexless, not that they've never had sex. That they didn't have sex before they got married. I, I believe think that's that very clear. I, I mean, I don't an think entirely that new that's thing clear. Into this that's not there. That's totally not, there. That that woman, that Elizabeth Banks character, is not she a no not, sex before marriage She would not type. put up with that. Yeah, that's She'd ridiculous. be like, no, we're doing this. And granted, no, it might be boring. I disagree. But, but he's, not she's there. not going to put up with it's that. And like it's not. It's not. That's it, not there. It's, it's, it's a You're movie. Absolutely. It would be there if it was there. If it's not there, it's not there. It, what was it rated? Uh, I don't know. Do you want me to look it up? PG. Steve, can you look that up for us? 13. Anyway, go on. I disagree. I mean, like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you're you're seeing like dark conclusions to how it all shakes out. You're seeing like idiosyncratic, interesting character beats where really it's just hitting. I think stock. Tropes. Yeah, the most interesting character in this entire movie was Peter Dinklage because he was able to direct himself. And here's okay, the other so thing. So you guys just think it was randomly written this way and it was randomly had these things yes. in it no, because I, it's, it's poorly written. What I'm saying is that it was written that way for a very specific reason and it was poorly done. Well, I, and I, I do want to bring out the, the idea that I had and I wrote it down somewhere in my notes that uh, who's directing this? Where is the director? There's this one scene in a, in a dance club where it looks like there are a bunch of extras that no one's telling anybody to do. Like when you said that during the film, like, I, I still it, categorically disagreed with you. I was watching like, them laugh and point at each other and blah 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 it, in the no, background. No, it, it looked, but it looked like they were directing themselves, and it I looked disagree. it looked to me like every single actor in the movie was directing themselves. It's well, like disagree. it's like in a high school play, like that they they let the high schoolers direct a one act. 
and none of them know what they're doing, so all of the high schoolers in the play are directing themselves. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like everyone in the play, in the movie, was directing themselves how they felt like they needed to act. This time used vehemently. Vehemently. I vehemently disagree. I vehemently disagree with you. <laughs> I and vehemently, then, and then, and like uh, one of the moments where I like felt that guys. one of the moments where I felt that like really clearly was in that that scene with that really manic uh, when the the, the Peter Dinklage, when Peter Steve. when Peter Dinklage showed up um, as the wedding planner Steve, she's and talking it became too much it became really manic when it didn't need to and it it made no sense and it rang really untrue to me and Brady. Yeah, you know, um, Steve stuck up for you that time. He didn't shut up for uh, me. Yeah, and that's... thank you, uh, and thank you, Steve. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there, was Steve. there, there was this these moments from Peter Dinklage where it was like no one was directing anyone. So, like he being the wonderful actor that he is, was directing himself to be funny, and like no one's directing any of these other characters. So they're kind of in scenes all of their own. They're, everyone throughout this movie was like doing their own thing because no one was telling them what the gestalt yeah. was supposed to so be. So this is, this is a good place for me to like, because you know, we've gotten into certain issues, problems with the movie. Here's one of my big ones that I don't even think I've even touched on. And it's that what Tess is saying, you're saying that, uh, you know, use the word Russian nesting doll. I think that's a more interesting term than this movie merits. And plenty mm-hmm. of shitty movies use like overlapping voiceovers. And we don't. Are we going to read the interesting psychological ramifications into all of them? I don't yes. think we should. Uh, what I think it's doing is, I think it's a one-note premise. A schlub learns to not be a schlub that need badly needs jolts of energy. It occasionally finds them in cameos from Dinklage and from Paul Rudd, and elsewhere. It just tries to inject structural inventiveness. That isn't necessary. So, yes, the voiceover, the nesting doll structures, the wait, 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 let me go back thing. And and, mm-hmm. and also just like pratfalls that just aren't very funny. And So you don't think it was out. for a reason. It was just because the person's a hack yeah. and they decided yes. to put it in there. Yes. I, mean, I disagree. Like, it's like with these occasional like lapses and, you know, him getting kicked in the face or like the screwball-y like hide under the bed shit. It's strikes the pose of an American Pie comedy without even being... I don't even like American Pie very much, but that movie's much funnier than this. Well, I've so already it, said that I agree with poorly executed. Yeah. But you're you're implying that the script is good or something. I'm not sure what you're saying. No, I think the person wrote all these things into the script for a reason. I think that you could probably do this script well and that you guys would have a, be singing a much different tune about the movie. I just don't think it was executed well. That's why I get to C plus well, B minus. Maybe, maybe based on what I said about there not being a director presence, maybe you could be right, but I think the script's shitty too. It needs characters, honestly. I, I mean, I think the individual scenes are poor, but when you put them all together, it's more than the sum of its parts. Uh, mm. I think it's less. This movie doesn't... like. Yeah, Less going back to the Apatow thing, it needs actual lived-in. All right, so you guys disagree out. with me. I think we've well, got that on. off. I'm you have more to, oh, you have more yeah, to say. I know. Okay, I'm, go ahead. I'm saying something about character now, uh, which you know I don't think we've delved into the actual acting in this thing, and yeah, like it needs characters that are actually lived in because it has a single premise. But guess what? So did Forty-Year-Old Virgin. So what do you do if you want to actually stretch a single premise to feature length? You need to actually invest in acting and characters that have more than just a trope. And some of these scenes, like with Elizabeth Banks, like her saying she's going to feed the chocolate to a homeless guy, her throwing the flowers on the bed, 
Like there's there's a way to do that. There's a way to present a character who's ungrateful and unappreciative of his love and to show that without it being so just on the nose. Like over the right. top. Individual scenes bad. Got that. No, not individual scenes. The characters character are bad. There's no character development whatsoever. Well, I think that her throwing, giving the chocolate to it, like that written dialogue in there, that's part of the individual scene, yeah, which like, isn't really pre- present in the rest of the character other, outside oh, of that it's scene. Everywhere. No, she's every, it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. It's, it's, he, was, he was actually like, like it, it just comparing goes so, it. Yeah, it goes so over the top to enforce this idea of like, she treats him like shit, he's a schlub. The Bradley character's over the top. Like, yeah, he he's, starts he's crying fake in the kitchen. Crying. Yeah, everything about this is just completely counterfeit. And it, it badly needs actual vitality. And mm-hmm. it has none. And then, okay, so, well, I guess you probably have some stuff to say. I did, there was like another. No, I'm completely, done. I'm just waiting for you guys to be done. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know what subject we're on right now, but I did want to bring up like something that bugs me in lots of bad movies. Um, Actually, Juno falls into this for me, and I've had lots of arguments with Brady about this, but what year does this movie take place in? It's supposed to be 2005. It, it's it anachronistic on it, purpose. It, it, it's, not anac- it's not anachronistic on purpose. I don't it's think ac- it takes place in 2005. An, I think an, it takes place in the mid-90s, It late does. 90s. Look at the cars. Um, I mean, it's it's anachronistic well, that's about budget because and it was because Once again, poorly done. This was probably being written for years, and nobody knew what to do with it. And the script feels like it's a '90s script, and so much of like there there were these like things that I thought maybe were supposed to be jokes about people pulling out Palm Pilots and making dates and like little tiny handheld things. And it's like it's 2005. You should all have cell phones. That's they might the show not be. That they're rich white they might, bastards. They might be. They might not be great cell phones, but it's 2005. You all have cell phones. It's not 2005. We don't know what year it is. It's 2005. Look at the cars. When does it say that? You don't need to be a rich white bastard to have a Blackberry in 2005. Trust me. I don't think it's set in 2005. I don't think it's set in any particular year. It's set in a universe that that has Blackberries. That's exactly the point that I'm making. But I mean, there's a lot of movies that are set in obvious different times. Like if you look at Big Lebowski, there are cards present in Big Lebowski that aren't the right time. Yeah, and that's a mistake. And I think this was too. Just, um, no, 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 this, this, but this, like the big Lebowski at least tells you what you're supposed to take place in and makes like a concerted effort uh, to so not movie has have... to tell you. Yeah, it no. fucking does. If it's a I period so. piece, it, they should it's be wearing, the, if it's a period piece, they should it's be wearing, the appro- piece. then what the fuck is it? Because I don't know. Exactly. Poorly executed. Doesn't know quite what it is. Then why are you saying that it's like not that supposed to be that time, but it's, it's not a not period piece? It's not supposed to be 2005. Definitely like, not is set it 19, in 2005. Is it 1990? Uh, we don't know. Why Why don't you know? I'm, why can't I know? We always know with every movie. Because it's badly written. It's written by people that were writing it in 1990 and didn't get the script finished. I don't know. It's like watching movies about high schoolers walking around like dead-eyed in the hallways without their cell phones out. It bothers me. I can't deal with it. And this bugged me. And I was it was like looking back on a time that I never lived in, even though I remember 2005 very clearly. And people had it's fucking cell phones. 2005. Then why don't they tell me when it if it's a period piece? Not tell every me movie if it's tells not, you when it's set. It's not what? a period piece. They were piece. wearing regular clothes. I'm, a, I'm more with Rob on this one, but also because it more undergirds well, how I feel. It's not that the movie airs in how it depicts period. It the, didn't the, bother. The, it was the, poorly executed. Exactly. It, but to you, Just, good sir, hold on, hold on. I haven't said anything in minutes, guys. Let sorry. me get a word in edgewise here. To you, good sir. 
don't you think you are being not hypocritical, but you're waffling what by in one sentence, in one sentence, sir, saying that this movie cannot be bothered and isn't putting a lot of thought into itself. Hold on. And I agree with that. And yet also accusing it or no lionizing it to being this thoughtful, dark Twilight Zone episode about a man doomed to repeat his mistakes. Oh, and that reminds me. I forgot about this. This is kind of going back. But for your point to stand that he's actually trapped in a self-defeating cycle where he'll always be the Baxter and never stand up for himself. No, that that's would, not what I'm saying. But You're saying he loses the Michelle Williams character in does. the end, and that's why he's telling this story? But everybody does. It's not because he's a Baxter that he loses her. Anyway. Oh, so, so a different mistake. Some kind of different, ju- just because relationships are finite. Right. That would be an interesting movie. That's oh, not wow. this movie. That's now, not this movie. Now who's in therapy? <laughs> We're in therapy right now for seeing this movie. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jess, for suggesting it. Um, yeah, no, that's that's just it. Like this movie isn't putting a lot of. I can tell you, we're not watching the station agent. We've had our Dinklage. And you know, I, I but like to to Tess's thing, like yeah, I'm I'm across the aisle from you, Tess, on this one because I don't think you should take pains not to fuck up. But I don't need a movie to necessarily be set in a, a period. It can be a fable. It can be, you know, an allegory of a certain kind of story. Yeah, it's obviously pretty Where iPhone. time period doesn't matter. And that's fine. But, but that said, this does come from a certain time period, 21st century, because no one has Blackberries before then. So well, I go. mean, it, and it definitely comes from pre-iPhone. And I in 2005, know. the iPhone was out. Yeah. My favorite Because thing if they were rich Sherlock. bastards and that's the reason they had the Palm Pilot and the Blackberry... The fucking iPhone would be on the screen, not the BlackBerry or the Palm Pilot, right? Wait, yeah, but what about Sherlock? I'm just saying my favorite thing is Sherlock. It's very important to me to know when something exists, and that's why Juno bugged me. Is like, well, none of these kids have their cell phones out. Like, she's supposed to be on this hamburger phone because it's, like, quirky and weird, but it's just because, like, nobody bothered. You know what? It only really bugs me if they specifically stay, say that it's in a different time, and then I look at the th- the wall, and there's, like, a 1996 Lambo in the movie set in 1984. That, to me, is, that like, a little me. Easter egg of, like, oh, wow, they fucked up a little bit when everything else works. Whereas, like, when I just can't tell... That really annoys me. I think that's fine in a movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying not to take care to make those things not jarring, but uh, if it's a problem in the movie... Likely, it means that I have bigger problems with the movie. Yeah, well, it's like like those moments where, like, they were both trying to put the date in their, like, Palm Pilots or whatever, and, like, I felt like it was supposed to be a joke, but it's 2005 when this came out and also, you know, 20, 10, 10 years later now where like it, even if it was a joke then, which it wasn't like it would have fall like would have fallen completely flat. Um, Are you guys done crapping on the movie? We can do Metacritical and then uh... crapping on it. I loved it. <laughs> 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 All right. So I, I think we're done with discussing the movie. We'll do Metacritical. Come back. Talk about what we're going to do next week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. I made a critical. Rob's never gonna win. I made a critical. Brady's the victor again. Woo-hoo. So it's time to play. Woo-hoo. I'm gonna lose today. Oh, 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 oh. Made a critical. Yeah, it's time. Ten for daddy. Ten for daddy. 
I like the timing of that with <laughs> the ending of the theme. Like, pen for Dati? Uh, there's three pens right there. There's oh, paper. Right there. There's, there's books pens. to write right on. There the whole I time. put everything right there in between you this time so everybody and would yet have. I still had to ask questions. Ev- everything that they would Just need. had to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. Had to Couldn't leave well enough alone. Had to both yell at me. This is this is like uh, fucking uh, another year all over again. It is. It is another year. I mean, it's it, yeah. It's another year and another year of being yelled at for for my thoughts because everybody thinks I don't watch the same thing as them. We just want you to be better. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't even thought of the movie, so we're just gonna go on the fly. Yeah, why don't we go with uh, Dinklage to something? So Dinklage right. to Station Agent. Do you yeah, do you happen classy. to know Metacritic score? No, I don't. Okay, good. I mean, I'm sure I've seen it at some point, but but uh, I went and saw the movie before I was a Metacritic frequenter. So that's why you always win. It was one of my most joyful. So what are we, Station Agent? That is correct. We are on station agent. Right, station uh, agent. I'm gonna go ahead and say. It. Wait, no, no. Make Brady go first. Okay, Brady, go first. Brady, go first. Uh, Brady, Brady, eighty. Eighty-two. Brady, eighty. <laughs> I'm gonna say. Uh, I was gonna say seventy-eight, but uh, in th- in the interest of trying to get some more points on you guys, I'm gonna go with seventy-six. Okay. Eighty-one. Eighty-one. Damn, I should have stuck with seventy-eight. I only lost three. Uh, what'd you say? Eighty-two, Tess. Eighty-two. So you guys each lose one, and I lose uh, five. Six. Seventy-six. Seven. Oh, yeah, that's right. Eighty-one. Sorry. Math. Uh, I can still do that. Math. What okay. was the score? Uh, it was eighty-one. 81. Hmm. All right. All right. All right. So. Uh, Oh, Patricia Clarkson. All right, this one will be hard because I don't know the score to this and probably none of us do. Let's do Pieces of April. What the fuck is that? Oh, it, I've she seen was this. Nominated. Doesn't it have like a calendar with a torn off thing for it's the like front cover? It's like Katie Holmes is like the ne'er-do-well daughter, but she's having the family to Thanksgiving and Patricia Clarkson's dying. Clarkson <laughs> was nominated for this in the same year as Station Agent. Should have been nominated for Station okay, Agent. Okay, so we'll rotate around. Brady went first last time. I'll go first this time. I'm just going to go with 75. I think that's a good even guess. Six. Uh, you should probably go higher, but that's just. I did go s- higher. Seventy. Wait, you said seventy-five. Yeah. Seventy-six. Um, uh, should go lower. Sixty-two. Oh. It's not really a great movie. I don't know what it is, so I just was basing it off whoever went first. Yeah, I didn't know what it was either, so I went seventy-five. <laughs> oh, you know, she's like a reformed alcoholic or something. Seventy. The family. Not bad. So I got okay. five. Brady got so you eight. Did you six. got six. Six. Yeah. Basically, Clarkson's really good. Okay, so that's our number that's two. Uh, do we need to jump? Uh, uh, who's in this? Okay, so uh, Katie Holmes is in it. Katie Holmes is in it. Let's go with uh, Go. Katie go. Holmes is in is Go. Go. Okay. It's a what? It's a it's a movie. It's like a Mod Squad kind of sort of thing. It's from like uh, the sixty-eight. Uh, Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with... No, it's Brady's turn. Yeah, that's true. Okay, uh, 72. Uh, That's what I was going to do. I'm going to go with higher then. Uh, Let's go with uh, 78. I think Go is fairly highly received. I don't even know what it is. Well, it might not be in there, actually, but... Possibly. It's possible. We'll see. Yeah. 
It had a No Doubt song on the soundtrack. Then it's in there. <laughs> so <I'm> guessing. <laughs> new. You're so new. You. It's not in there. Not in there. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, another Katie Holmes movie. Who the uh, hell is Katie Holmes? No. Batman Begins. Oh, yeah, she's in the Batman Begins. Does that mean I have to go again, or is it Brady's turn? Yeah, we should just do a do-over. You go. Okay. Uh, Batman Begins. Yeah. Um, 79. I think they were... It's unfair to it. I think it was like 70, maybe. 70 sounds right. 70. 85. I dare defy the great Brady. Batman begin. Batman begin so. 70. Is that what I said? That's no, what I said. That's what oh, wait, Brady no, said. No, what did I say? 79. Oh, yeah. I did. Okay, nine. All right. So I lost 15. Brady gets a five-point wow. bonus, which we've said in previous Oh, things. wow. Yeah. Good job, Brady. Brady the dead oh, on. You? you get five points so for being dead five. on. Yeah. Okay. Or you get you get minus five. Well, Whatever. Oh, oh, right, right. right. <laughs> okay, let's go Christian Burial and do the machinist then. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's Brady's he. first guess. The machinist? Uh, I don't know. 65? Rob? Uh, 68. 60. Never saw The Machinist. It was bad. I think Tess and I saw it together. Yeah, we did. It was bad. Uh, 61. Okay. Yeah! (laughs) So that's one for Tess, seven for me, four for Brady. Yeah, it was bad. Oh, wait, 61. I did 68. Yeah, 61. Yeah. I said 60. Uh, I can't jump from that, so I guess we'll have to do another Christian Bale unless uh, you can think of something, Tess. From uh, who else someone even that in was that? in this movie? Yeah, right. Like, Christian Bale's in plenty of stuff. Uh, uh, American Psycho? Sure. Anybody know he it? He knows yeah. no, the I score. Don't. That's, that's he super early. That's yeah, almost super early. It might not even be in there, but yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, I have my ideas on, like, well, it's I, my go first on American Psycho, okay, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. 68. Okay. Oh, gosh. Uh, 75. Mm, let's see. It's a really good movie. Performance was acclaimed, but the movie, I don't think, got that much of its due when it came out. Um, let me go. Let me go 72. 64. Whoa. Where are we at? Uh, let me see. Chloe Savini's in that, right? She's well, that's five. Is that all? We need five, right? Oh, that's all of them? That was five? Yeah. Yeah. Because one of them was a dud. Yeah, no, no, we have five. We have five now. Okay, we have five good ones. All right. Why don't, Tess and I will talk. Uh, Tess, you're wearing that UC Santa Cruz sweatshirt. 
Yes. Oh, you got that uh, way back when we used to date, right? Nope. I found it in the free pile at Kingman. You found it in the free pile at Kingman? Yes, I did. Oh, Cal students don't want to be associated with... Sonic I don't know why it was that I found it and was like, I'm taking this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, what, I don't even know. What the know. fuck happened to my Santa Cruz sweatshirt? I never had one. I had like one with the scroll and like the Fiat Lux and the, the banana slug. I vaguely remember that one. I had I had one of the t-shirts that my dad now... The, the same one that um, they wear in uh, fucking uh, Pulp Fiction, my dad has. All right, y'all. Everyone did pretty well this time. In third, we Rob. got Rob with 36. Uh, in second place, Tess with 27. Oh, not and bad And then Brady for got me. the negative five, so he's got 18. Yeah, 16. 16, that was close. On the well math. done. Well done. Yeah. Well, good jobbed. What the, I can't say well done to myself, but I'm saying it to all of us. A Metacritical. Well, you can just keep talking. I won again. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so where are we at? Talking about what? what's next week? Yeah, what's next week? Station agent. Station agent. Uh, I'm going to go ahead <laughs> and submit... Uh, all dogs go to heaven. And then you each have to vote for one, possibly your own, not, uh, and possibly for another. But if you I vote for your own, it doesn't count. I love this man, so station agent. <laughs> All right, so you voted for Tess's, or you voted Brady's. for Brady's station and agent. And I Brady. also said station agent, Brady? so. I abstain. Brady abstains. He can vote for mine, which was station oh, agent. Wait. Yeah, hers is uh, Tess is, Oh, that's different. I, I vote for Tess. Uh, so station agent of Brady and station agent of Tess. <laughs> 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 okay, so wait. So then... All right, so station agent. Which one? Uh, Tess's or well, yours? Well, I can't vote for mine, right? You can. So oh, I can? I vote for agent. mine because she voted for mine. Uh, this is... is two to, two to procedure. One. The bureaucracy is strangling <laughs> this cast. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're doing Station Agent. That's two Dinklage <laughs> movies in a row. Can I veto for that? No, it's a marathon. We did like... It's popular. Okay. And if we had time for a rank it, which we don't tonight, but uh, maybe we'll do one sometime this week, I want to do something that uh, Film Vault did, which is really good, which would be when we do rank it, uh, seven movies that the other host cannot do. So seven bands. Oh, no, that's interesting. So you do seven movies that you can't put on lists uh, for rank it. Can we acknowledge where the band movie would have fell? Or no, 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 it's just it's just movies you can't talk about on rank it. Whoa. Like for that for that particular rank it. I mean, you can not say, forever. You could say this would be here, but it's not. So I got to put something else in. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, seven movies to ban. That that'll be the next rank it we do. Cool. I like. Wow. Yeah. I kind of yeah. like the fact that film spotting, especially since like what happened is they did their top five for that week, and then like the following week, you went like, you know what, you owe me another one for top for your number three last week because you can't use that one because it's on nice. the ban list. And people are like, "What's the ban list?" And he was like, "We did a rank, we did a, a top five movies you can ban the other host from using." Nice. <laughs> that's good. I, I've heard them talk about that too because he listens to in the car. Oh sometimes. well, no, no, no. That's film spotting. This yeah, is, in this, fil- this on is film, film spotting. Ball. This is something different. It's a different film podcast. What? Those are the three film no, podcasts. No, on film spotting, they talk about that, don't they? No, uh, uh, they, they have... There's the Pantheon. Yeah, they have the Pantheon, which sure. is stuff Where they, just, they will talk about, like, oh, you can't mention that. Right. Or, or you can't use it in your Yeah, in your whatever. example or whatever. Right. This yeah. is Film Vault, which, where it was just 
exactly what I'm proposing. Where they did a ban list. Yeah. I listen to three film podcasts. I listen to Film Spotting, so we'll go ahead and give them a plug now. Uh, the Frame, <laughs> which is a media, this that, and uh, uh, f- Film Vault, which is Vault Brian and uh, Anderson from from uh, what Westwood one, uh, uh, K Rock, whatever. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, does anybody have anything else to say? No, we're watching Station Agent. Baxter. Brady will finally shut up. Yeah, I'll have to find something. <laughs> He'll new find to something else for. to create a precedent of. Well, well this is what man. I this is what I get. For, yeah, this is what we'll I get, get. We'll get we'll get Rob to watch a documentary sometime. Yeah, I, you know, I watched a documentary. I watched uh, Lane Stridge for uh, this. Me. Was that good? It was good. It was cool. very good. Um, it's not that you don't watch documentaries. You just don't watch them for, for Carnivorous Couch. I mean, there really have been, been very few documentaries suggested. I think uh, Grizzly Man is just one of them. Yeah, it's true. And, I can't and, think of any And it's this. not that I don't want to watch it. And it was the same thing for... Um, for uh, what, What's the wilderness one? Uh, Into the Wild. Um, That's not a documentary. No, it's not a documentary. But I had the same feeling where it's like... I like... Yeah, I really have to be in the headspace to watch right. this movie. I tried to watch that movie and I like freaked the fuck out. Over no, the I know first what you mean. Scene, right? And I've seen scenes from Grizzly Man, and I know it's gonna wig me out. So mm-hmm. I mean, I reserve the right to like go like, I'm not watching this. Grizzly <laughs> Man is like so much easier for me to watch than Into the Wild. But anyway. Yeah, but I mean, like, just seeing somebody get mauled to death by a bear uh, I, won't see I think it. that that you are hearing it you won't hear it brady so when are oh, we okay. gonna when are we gonna do um station agents next week okay because i think you and i should watch uh pat pat pather Pinchali. oh yeah i can't think of exactly how to pronounce it yeah that, that's how you we should it. we should watch it before we watch this because i always talk about it as like the humanist film okay yeah and we should like have it in our arsenal of like you know recently watched humanist films okay so also can i do a quick critics corner on uh oh yeah on roadhard you know just uh, here at the end of this show okay so i saw roadhard uh at a premiere at the balboa theater in san francisco adam carolla showed up did a q a beforehand did a q a after afterwards um it was good uh it was a very solid um romantic comedy that had to find its voice uh, the issue with it was that uh, the first five minutes, the last five minutes, the bookend, every romantic comedy are usually kind of contrived. These were incredibly contrived. They looked like they were shot uh, the last, like af- after the entire movie was edited, they just tacked these things in. And uh, there are other scenes involving all those characters that are very well acted. But I mean, it was just kind of stilted. It's like they did one take. I don't know what it was. But the effect of that was that the... Uh, initial impression and the final impression of the film were very weak. Now, however, there was this whole middle part of the thing where it took you a second to get into it because the timing and cadence of the jokes are very mm, eh, non-typical. Uh, but they were good once you got into the, like kind of the linguistic uh, style of the comedy. And it was great. And then afterwards they had uh, a period in time where, um, you know, guy has to make his decision. He goes, oh, I either have to take this new show and have awesome showtime biz or I have to move to New Hampshire and like have a woodworking shop with this uh, cool chick and have contentment. And then the next scene, they resolve that conflict. They didn't up the ante. They didn't have anything going on. Uh, so for me, it's a C plus. It's about a 79.6, 
more than 79.5, rounds up to an 80, but just not quite an 80. Nice. Uh, and I will say, uh, since a uh, stand-up movie, you should see Top 5, because I think you'd like that. Mm, that would be interesting. Uh, three, two, one, Brady, shout your friend's name out. Uh, Bobby Chen. Theme song. Denise Kratashville. Shit happens once a week It swallows us for two hours When we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film About, about which, which we can speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob And Tess It's like a coloring book It's a Russian crap doll <laughs> <laughs>